um, my niece and nephew's first trip to, trip to New York City. Yeah. And um, I'm going to bring up my niece Morgan in just a second. But what Morgan and I used to do at my parents' house was we would have talent shows. And I would have her hide in the kitchen, and I'd go into the family room, and I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, you know her, you love her, you just saw her five minutes ago. Please welcome Morgan Avery Chopin. And my family would go crazy. And so after that, she would say to, um, to me, like this was like a few months later, she was like, she calls me Achoo, we'll explain why in a minute. She's like, Achoo, Achoo, will you induce me, please? <laughs> So I am so unbelievably excited to induce my <laughs> my uh, wonderful niece, Morgan. You know her, you love her, you may have heard her on our podcast, and we're going to bring her up to talk for just a little bit. Please give a really warm welcome for Morgan Avery Shepard! Hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone, except kids. Yum's the word. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. And I'm Alex Fulton. And at the top, you heard my niece, Morgan, who was on our show in April. You'll hear more from Morgan and hear all about her first trip to New York City a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first, I wanted to hear how your Memorial Day was, Alex. My Memorial Day was spent in recovery after going to a wedding last mm. night for mm. a friend. So. Yikes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then what did you do? Uh, oh, right. And then uh, <laughs> I got on a train to come here to record. Mm -hmm. Are you talking about the event that happened on the train? No, I was talking about where we are right oh. now. But I mean, you can. Go for it. Yeah, let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're recording, it's Memorial Day, and we're recording episode 10, season 2, episode 10 mm -hmm. of Yum's the Word. Yeah, because we are committed. Committed. Yeah. Well, we, we, don't, we don't stop for a holiday. No. No. Holidays are, are made for stuff like this. Yeah, it's kind of nice to see you during the day. Yeah, imagine. Yeah. What are the, <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> And since we are recording this on Memorial Day, I have something very exciting happening tonight. So uh, it will be available online soon, or actually by the time this airs, it will be available. And that is that I am making my debut on PBS tonight. Woo! Yay! And telling one of my very favorite stories. And um, it's for a show on worldchannel.org. I mean, it's a PBS uh, channel, but it's a show called Stories from the Stage, and the episode is called In the Doghouse. So look out for that, and I will be watching it tonight, which is very exciting. Um, so as Alex mentioned, this is our last episode of the season. We we might do a bonus episode over the course of the summer here or there. 
We'll see. A little bonus. A little bonus. <laughs> Bone. This. <laughs> Um, Stand by for when we turn 13. (laughs) Yeah, right. Which is every episode. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, we're on hiatus for the summer with the exception of a bonus episode or two, potentially. And then we'll be back in the fall. But don't worry. We are going to give you some other podcasts to check out a little bit later in this episode so you don't go through too much withdrawal over the summer. Um, But... Uh, first, I wanted to say that um, we just had our, our May show, and it was it was really fun. I had I had a good time. Did May you? show was awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was that, great uh, energy in the room. Yeah, lots of new faces. Tons. Thank you, Time Out. Thanks, Time Out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we did do something pretty epic. It was a first at Yum's the Word. Do you remember what that was? No. Think Mad Libs. I, well, I thought you were going to say that, but was that actually the first? I, th- I feel like we've done it before. I oh actually, we? I would almost say, <laughs> I would almost say every time. Okay, so we should like back up. Let, let him explain. in on the joke. So, Robin will let just about anything fly for the Mad Libs, except the word moist. And that's just because I don't even have trouble. I don't even have a problem with that word. I just think it's fun to veto one word. Right. If if you're gonna have one, that's a good one. To, yeah. Yeah. Although I, it would be funny to put together a list of other words that are worth vetoing. Mm. Katie, it could be like seven, like George Carlin's seven dirty words you can't say on TV. Right. <laughs> Chip his fuck cunt motherfucker in tits. <laughs> Anyway, um, Katie, Katie wanted to volunteer damp. I would have gone. That's an easy one. <laughs> that's cute, though. Thanks, Katie. That's his wife. But uh, I feel like every time it comes up, we end up using it. No, we I haven't. So. I don't think we have. We'll have to go back to Not the... every time. Let's, let's take I... it to the tapes. All right, we'll go to the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the tapes and, and, and report back. So... Anyway, so today, uh, so since today is our last episode of the season, we are going to send you off properly for the summer. You will hear two stories told last year during National Ice Cream Month, which is July, and the theme of the night was 31 flavors. So first up is Vanessa Golenia. Vanessa told the story at our show last year and, without prompting, sent me a picture of her eating ice cream for her headshot, which, of course, I love. And she's been on The Moth, and she's the producer of the New York edition of Taboo Tales. This is her story about the unlikely gift her mom gave her for Christmas. Uh, So two years ago, my mom's Christmas gift to me was Botox. That's a strange gift for many reasons. Um, not the least of them being that I'm someone who lives, who, who tries to live naturally. Uh, I'm the girl who wears a diva cup. I go on regular juice cleanses, and I make my own organic natural face wash at home. Uh, and it's not like my mom gave me a, a fancy gift card to like a a fancy Botox place in Beverly Hills? No. She made me an appointment to get Botox done in Tijuana. (laughs) Yeah, as in like lawless, donkey show, drug cartels, Tijuana. (laughs) Uh, But to give my mom credit, 
I had just turned 30, and overnight, this gigantic wrinkle the size of the Grand Canyon had appeared on my forehead. Uh, and around this time, I'd met this guy that I really liked. And so I started doing things that one does when one has a new boyfriend, like shaving my legs and wearing matching bras and panties. <laughs> and he was always taking pictures of me. He was super cute. And... Um, when he would show me these pictures of, of me and of us, and all I could do was focus on this one wrinkle. And so I thought, you know what? I'll give it a try. Um, and of course I had concerns because, you know, getting these procedures done in, in a place like Tijuana. And so in an effort to vet out the doctor, I went online. And what I found was a Facebook profile of a guy decked out in a mariachi outfit, <laughs> sitting on a horse, and a post description where he referred to himself as a mommy makeover expert. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and, but my mom, she like reassured me that Dr. Gilberto Jimenez was legit. And so I went down to the clinic and he ends up carpet bombing half my face with Botox. And when he's done, he goes, can I make a suggestion? And now I consider myself someone with good manners, so I said, sure. And he brings a mirror up to my face, and he says, so look at here. And he points out that my nose is slightly crooked, that my, um, the, the upper sides of my cheeks are like starting to sink in, and my lower cheeks are like a little too fat. And he, so he suggests that I get a nose job, some fillers, and some cheek sculpting. And I think, like, I start laughing because it sounds ridiculous. I've always thought I've had a completely agreeable face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then I think, wait a minute, Dr. Gilberto is a real doctor, and I think he just diagnosed me as ugly. <laughs> and he says he would do it all, the, the nose job, the, the sculpting, the fillers for $3,700. At this point, I know nothing about plastic surgery, but my initial thought was, damn, that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> and I hesitate, and he goes even lower, $3,200. And he, he's like, you know, he, he shows, he t tells me all these things and he shows me all these like before and after pictures of dozens of girls that he's worked on. And I have to admit, they look really gorgeous. They look like Mexican telenovela stars. So let's just say like I left that day with an appointment to have work done a month later when I'd be off for like the holidays. But I come back to New York and when I'm in New York, I, I have second thoughts. Like on the one hand, I think to myself, you know, money aside, most people, if given the choice, would choose to look more attractive no matter how attractive they already were. And on top of that, like, pretty people get ahead, damn it. Like, this was an investment in my future. But on the other hand, I was terrified of looking like Joan Rivers. I thought to myself, um, you know, maybe I'd be guilty of perpetuating these awful beauty standards that continue to oppress women in society. Or worse, I'd be living an inauthentic life. Like, hashtag, I woke up like this, would be a complete lie. And so, I didn't know what to do, so I went in search of a second opinion. And that's how I ended up in Dr. Ratner's office on Park Avenue. Dr. Ratner is a triple certified plastic surgeon with excellent Yelp reviews. <laughs> and Dr. Ratner told me that cosmetic surgery should only be handled by the best. And he quoted me $10,000 for the nose job, $1,200 for each filler, and $5,000 for the cheek sculpting. 
All of a sudden, a $3,200 proposition seemed like a steal. But before I left his office, he stopped me and he said, let me ask you something. He's like, do you wake up every morning and hate your nose? I said, no. He's like, then don't do it. It's not worth the pain, the money, or the recovery time. He's like, and listen, there's so many successful women out there with ugly noses. Takes, he's like, take Sarah Jessica Parker. And I was like, you know what? He's right. I love SJP. And if SJP doesn't want to get a nose job, then neither do I. And so I left that day thinking, I'm not going to go through with it. But then a few days later, I'm like, ah, you only live once, you know, might as well try to look as pretty as you can. Um, ultimately, it came down to one thing, and it's something that I didn't realize about myself until then, which is namely that I'm a woman who never passes up a good deal. And so um, I decided to go for it, but I was so embarrassed that I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to tell my friends, I didn't want to tell my coworkers, and I especially didn't want to tell my new boyfriend. A few words about my boyfriend. Uh, he's a visual artist, and his life is highly curated. This is a man who wears brooches and will only drink coffee from a handmade ceramic cup. <laughs> On top of that, he's also a feminist. So logically, I thought, you know, a girlfriend who gets cheap cosmetic procedures would probably not fit into his aesthetic or his worldview. So I did what any girl would do. I lied. I told him that I developed a strange allergy and had to have sinus removal surgery, which I've since discovered is not technically a thing. <laughs> but he bought it. <laughs> and a week later, I boarded a, um, a flight back to Mexico. But back in Dr. Gilberto's office, uh, I chickened out. So I just, I couldn't wrap my head around letting this guy into my nostrils to chisel at my nose, a nose that I'd been perfectly fine with up until then. Uh, but I did decide to go through with the fillers and the cheek sculpting because, you know, I did fly all the way down there after all. <laughs> and so he started the procedure by getting a syringe the size of a 12-inch ruler and he stabs my abdomen within, with it, and as he's harvesting the fat out of my abdomen, he tells me calmly that doing a fat transfer is actually a, a more natural approach than synthetic fillers, which gave me some level of comfort because I was getting cosmetic surgery the organic way. <laughs> but I wasn't prepared for what happened next. So as he's injecting my face with, um, with my own fat, uh, I hear this strange sound. If you can imagine what it would sound like if someone farted directly inside your head, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, anyways, so a week following the procedure, I look like a monster. My, my cheeks are lopsided. They have hard bumps all over them. I can't chew. I have to drink from a straw. And at some uh, Christmas morning, I wake up, and I'm, I just look in the mirror and I cry. And I spent hours online just like looking at plastic surgery gone wrong, trying to predict how it was going to look by the end of it. And at some point, my mom turns to me and she goes, Ay, Vanessa, you don't even look like you, you're happy that you're going to have a new face. 
And I like had to remind her that I literally could not smile. <laughs> so uh, my boyfriend, when I pick him up from the airport, uh, my, the swelling hasn't gone down completely, but he doesn't seem to notice because men never notice anything. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's until actually, until we, we end up having sex. When, one thing I didn't think through was that um, he was going to see all the bruising that happened around my abdomen. And so when he sees that, he goes, whoa, 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 what the hell is that? And I cave in. I tell him about the cheek sculpting and the fillers and, to, and the near nose job. And to my relief, he doesn't, he doesn't judge me and he doesn't break up with me. In fact, he tells me that he thinks it's a little out of character, but uh, that... He thinks I'm beautiful regardless, and he respects whatever it is I want to do with my body. And that's when I like silently tapped myself on, on the shoulder, I patted myself on the shoulder uh, for going on that feminist dating app I met him on. <laughs> and uh, when the conversation came to an end, he said, well, at least you didn't get Botox. <laughs> Thank you. You can find Vanessa on Twitter and Instagram at Van Golinia. That's G-O-L-E-N-I-A. All right. Now, as you may know, our last episode was dedicated to Auntie, and you heard all about her birthday present from last year and how she only wants Dunkin' Donuts cards this year. Happy to report she loved them. And, uh, of course, while I was home for her birthday, I shot video of her, and you can check that out where she talks about this year's birthday and more on our YouTube channel at Yum's The Word Show. Also, our next show is... 99% going to be on June 21st. So get on our mailing list or follow us on social for all the latest at yumsthewordshow.com. And um, we are going to be releasing some new storytelling workshops this summer. So you can find all of that information on our site as well. And since we, you, uh, you may not hear from us for a little bit, I want you to make sure you save the date for National Ice Cream Day for our, I think it might be our fourth or fifth annual ice cream tour. And that's on July 15th. So we'll be posting where we're headed. It's, it's like a pub crawl, but for ice cream shops. So keep your eyes out for that. And, um, and next up is some more footage of my niece Morgan live on stage at Yum's The Word. Now, this was her first trip to New York City, as I mentioned, and she gives us some of the highs and, of course, lows of her maiden voyage to the Big Apple. Sometimes I call Morgan Momo, right? Yeah. Yeah, you want to say hi to everybody? Hi. Hi. <laughs> and why don't you tell the audience why you call me Achu? Okay, so um, I was really little, and she sneezed a lot. She ha- happened to be wearing a hat, and she sneezed, and I laughed. And so when we got home from Connecticut, I said, I want to see a chew. <laughs> right, because I used to wear a baseball cap, and I would go, ha, 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 chew. And then the hat would fall <laughs> off, right? Yeah. And so I did it over and over again, and Morgan thought it was so funny, and so now they call me Achoo. Achoo! Uh, that's right. <laughs> and um, Morgan, who's this sitting uh, right there? Who's that? Alex. So he came to visit at my parents' house, 
in the Hartford area, and, and Morgan was really taken by him the first time you met him, right? Yeah. Can you tell us why? Because he can swim, swim the pool with only moving his arms twice. And? And holding his breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, okay, so this is your first trip to New York City, right? Uh-huh. How do you like it so far? It's awesome. Awesome. Can you tell everybody what we've been doing the last couple of days? Uh, I'll help you. I'll help you. Um, we went to see a very special lady on a ferry. Remember who that was? The Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what else did we do? We went, oh, where did we go the first day to have lunch? Serendipity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we walked around. What's the big park in the, in, up in the city? Central Park. Central Park. And what did you like about Central Park? There's rocks for me to jump on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Alice in Wonderland was there? Uh-huh. I yeah. got to climb the statue. Yes. <laughs> um, and then yesterday, what did, you, what did you get to see last night? Frozen on Broadway. Oh. Yeah. I call myself Bay, best on ever. <laughs> What's up? This is important. Was the movie or the show better? Show. The show. So there's a ringing endorsement for all of you guys who go see Frozen. So when we were at Serendipity, you and Ben had a real New York experience. Do you remember what that was? We saw a cockroach <laughs> in the in the restaurant. <laughs> they weren't even here like a half an hour. <laughs> I mean, I was like, "Yep, welcome to New York. We've been waiting for you." Um, and the cockroaches have too. No, I'm just kidding. What Ben? Ben's allergic to cockroaches. So then we went to have breakfast at Alice's teacup. Uh, on the website it says, do you have any allergies? And so I wrote mustard, because Morgan's allergic to mustard. I said mustard and cockroaches. <laughs> and I was like, they're going to be like, why would you tell us that? Uh, we didn't get the reservation. Uh, it's true. It's totally true. You know, Alex, it, it wouldn't be a trip to New York without seeing a cockroach or okay. a rat. True. <laughs> True. I met, uh, so a friend of mine has a new roommate mm-hmm. from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and she's more scared of seeing a mouse than a cockroach. I would be too. Really? Yeah. I have no problem killing cockroaches, but a mouse, ugh, yeah. I grew up next to a a farm, and we would get field mice in the house every now and then, yeah. and there was one time where... Um, <laughs> Uh, there was one down in my parents' bedroom when I was babysitting my sisters, and I ran down to get something out of their room, and there was, like, this tiny little field mouse limping across the oh. carpet, and I was so freaked out. And from and then Jill, my younger sister, wound up getting rid of it and throwing it back into the into the farm by getting, like, two solo cups and, like, scooping it up and throwing it over the fence. But... From that point on, when I would get up early for school, I was in high school, you know, it'd be really dark in the morning. I was always so afraid to get out of bed because I was afraid I was going to step on a field mouse wow. and just crush it. Whereas <laughs> a cockroach, I could just like destroy and have no issue with. So, so yeah. it's so you, you're more, you just don't want to have to deal with getting rid of it. Right. 
Gotcha. Yeah, a cockroach is a more manageable sure. disposal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to nicer things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm glad that Morgan and Ben had a, had a good trip here. Um, now, if you like what you hear on our podcast, we would love it before we leave you for the summer that you leave us a rating and review on iTunes. hey It'll help other people learn about our podcasts and it will help boost our ratings, which we could, we could definitely use over the summer. So thank you in advance for that. And speaking of podcasts, um, we're going to give you our recommendations after our final story by the very funny and talented Sam Dingman. Sam is a Moth Grand Slam winner. He's appeared on Risk, the Moth Radio Hour, and the podcast Family Ghosts, which he created. I'll tell you a little bit more about that after his story. This is his tale about the very unusual career choice he made when he was a struggling actor. I moved to New York because I wanted to be an actor. Very unique, I know. Um, And I'd been here for a couple years, and it was not going as well as I had hoped. And what I mean by that is that the full extent of my theatrical career was originating the role of nightclub patron number three in the off-off Broadway debut of Sex and the City, the play. (laughs) I would like to tell you the complete story of nightclub patron number three. Nightclub patron number three enters a cool nightclub. Nightclub patron number three sees a beautiful lady Nightclub patron number three approaches said lady, says, good evening. The beautiful lady smacks nightclub patron number three in the face and says, get out of here. We don't want you here. So that's the role that I was playing, but it was also a neat encapsulation of my experience in the city (laughs) to that point. And this was hard for me because acting was the only thing I had ever done that made me feel like myself. And as I assume we all know, New York is a hard place to feel like you fit in. And I thought that by becoming a very successful actor, I would become a part of the fabric of this cultural megalopolis and that my life would really take off. And I didn't really have like a backup plan in case that very rare scenario didn't work out. As a matter of fact, the only other thing I had ever wanted to do was to become a cab driver. And the reason I decided I wanted to be a cab driver is that my day job at the time is that I worked at a hotel and the cab drivers would hang out outside the hotel and they would always be like smoking cigarettes and telling stories about like, oh man, you know, I was waiting for this fair at JFK and uh, this guy came over and he was like, hey man, let's go to the strip club. And we just went to the strip club and it was cool. Or like, hey man, um, you know, uh, why don't you give me a fare to the airport and we can, uh, we can go have a drink later. And then like the other bellhops would go out and have drinks with the cab drivers and they would come back and tell all these amazing stories. So I logically thought, that's probably what their lives are like all the time. (laughs) So I did become a cab driver. And while none of that stuff happened, um, I did find that I was like weirdly good at being a cab driver because I love talking to people, I love driving around, 
And the best part of being a cab driver was that you feel like you fit into New York City because cabs are everywhere. And this was before Uber, this was before Lyft. And I remember very specifically this one night, I was driving along the Grand Central Parkway. It was the end of a really awesome day of dropping people off at the locations they had asked me to take them to. <laughs> which is the only responsibility you have as a cab driver. And I, I was getting close to the city and I, I saw the skyline. And the sun was going down and it was that golden hour over the Hudson River. And... I'm a really big fan of the band The Hold Steady. I don't know if anybody else here likes The Hold Steady. Okay. So you know the song Stuck Between Stations. It comes on, and I remember I turned up the volume, and it's like, and I rolled down the windows, and I looked out at the city, and there was like purple and orange, like splashing off all the glass. And I shouted out the windows, I belong here! I belong here! I was so happy. And the idea that I could feel good doing something besides acting hit me really hard. So then a few months later, I was struck by something else, a Jeep Wrangler. I was pulling onto 79th Street and it T-boned me. It was going like 40 miles an hour. It was being driven by a woman with no seatbelt on and a baby in her lap. Miraculously, nobody was hurt, except for the taxi, which became V-shaped. So after the accident, I'm a little dazed, and this cop comes up to me, and he says, come here, come here, I need you to fill out a report. I saw everything that happened, don't worry, it's going to be fine. And I was like, okay, okay. So I'm filling out this police report, and as I'm filling it out, the woman comes up to me, and she's, she's crying, her baby is screaming, and she's, she's holding a cell phone, and she says, I'm, I'm sorry, can you please, please just talk to my husband, please, please, before you finish that. So I said, oh, okay, oh, okay, sure. So I, I take the phone, and I hear this voice say, hey, my friend, I understand we had a little bit of an incident. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we did. And he says, well, uh, listen, uh, here's the deal. My wife, she doesn't have a driver's license. So uh, my insurance company, they're not going to like this too much, if you know what I'm saying. I did know what he was saying, because it was exactly what he was saying. <laughs> so he says, um, I want to I I make you a deal. Um, I run this kind of uh, independent body shop. It's up in the Bronx. Why don't you bring the cab up there? We'll fix everything up. I'll throw you 75 bucks. What do you say? This is the thing, guys. If I took my now V-shaped cab back to the parking garage, my boss, Sonny, I was convinced was going to freak out. I had just wrecked one of his cabs and I was going to lose my job, the only thing that had ever made me feel like I belonged in New York City. Or I could take a quick jaunt up to the Bronx, get the car fixed, make 75 bucks and continue on my way. Sonny would never be the wiser. So I said into the phone, 
okay. And I handed it back to the wife, who looked as shocked as I should have been (laughs) that I had taken this deal. So I turn to the cop, I pick up the report, I fold it up and I put it in my pocket and I say, that won't be necessary, officer. He says, the fuck? (laughs) And I go back to the cab. Fortunately, it wouldn't start. (laughs) Because it had been T-boned by a Jeep Wrangler. So that meant that no matter how much I wanted to go to the Bronx and accept this deal, I couldn't do it. And I had no choice but to call the tow truck company that we had associated with our taxi garage and be towed back up to the garage. So I call the tow truck, and it comes, and it takes me up to the garage, and this parking, gar- uh, this parking garage where the, the cab company was housed, it had this really long ramp that kind of like wound up like two stories from the street, and it ended at Sonny's office, which had this ominous black door. And I remember standing there with the keys to this destroyed car, and looking up at Sonny's office, which looked like a cave, and thinking, this is it, man. This is the end. It's just not going to work out. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. So I walk up there, and I go in, and I say, Sonny, listen, um, I'm really sorry, but um, I I got T-boned, and, you know, uh, I got the guy's information on this police report, and... I don't know what to tell you, but uh, I'm really sorry. Uh, If you want to fire me, I completely understand. And he goes, fire you? Are you kidding? You got the guy's license. You got all the information. This is a slam dunk. I'm going to call the insurance company right now. Good work. And then he reaches over, takes down a set of keys to a new cab and says, here you go, and sends me right back out into the street. (laughs) So I was like, I have been rewarded for telling the truth. This is spectacular. So I'm back out in the street. I'm driving around, and my phone starts ringing. And I think, you know what? This is karma calling. Because I did the right thing. That person calling right now is the casting director at the public theater. And they would like to offer me a role at Shakespeare in the Park. It was not the public theater. It was the gentleman who owned the parking garage, and he was not too happy about my decision to turn him over to the insurance company. This is how I know he wasn't too happy, because this is what he said. You motherfucker! Do you have any idea who you have fucked with? I got your name, I got your medallion number, I got your address, and I got your phone number, asshole. So get ready to go down. (laughs) And then he hangs up the phone. And just as he hangs up the phone, a Coach USA bus merges into my lane and shears the side view mirror off my cab. So just to summarize, on this particular day, I have now totaled one taxi, incurred the wrath of a small-time mobster from the Bronx, and lost the mirror on another taxi. And I just lost it. I started banging on the steering wheel and screaming. I said, what the fuck is with this city? I don't belong here. 
I'm gonna die here. I cannot live another day in this awful place. I was so upset that I forgot I had a passenger in the back seat. (laughs) And because this is New York City, this woman's response to her cab driver having a psychotic episode was to go like this. So that night, I didn't know what to do. I was so scared and I, I, I was too afraid to go home because I thought the guy was gonna be waiting for me there. And my friend was having a birthday party. So I went to the birthday party and I drank so much. And at a certain point, my friend came over and she was like, Sam, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, not good, not good. <laughs> and I told her the whole story. And at the end I said, isn't that crazy? I'm probably gonna die. And she goes, Sam, that is crazy. You're probably gonna die. You don't have to do this job. She goes, my company is hiring an administrative assistant. Do you think you could handle that? I was like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) She's like, when you get home tonight, just send me your resume, which I did. And three days later, I was an administrative assistant. I never got in a cab again. And for years, I sat at a desk. I looked out the window at the cabs racing through the streets. I booked flight itineraries. I filed expense reports. Everything was calm and neat and safe. And I have never again been in as much danger as I was that day in the cab. But I've also never been as happy as that night on the Grand Central Parkway. Thank you. You can find Sam on Twitter at Sam Dingman and on Instagram at Dingmania. Also be sure to check out his podcast, Family Ghosts. It deals with grandmothers who were secretly jewel smugglers, uncles who led double lives, siblings who vanished without a trace. It's long-form documentary storytelling that's all about family legends and their effects on the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and where we come from. So definitely check that out. And speaking of podcasts, um, we wanted to recommend a few of our favorites. And I know you're a big fan of Mark's podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And I will too. So Mark Pagan has a podcast called Other Men Need Help. Yep. Where he uh, talks about a lot of uh, sort of masculine subjects that uh, don't make it into conversation with men very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such as, well, what are the first ones that come to mind for you? One of the great um, episodes of his that I really, really enjoyed was the one called The Bluey. Basically, what happens is when you hear from an ex, whether it's an email or a text or a phone call or something, it's, you know, it comes out of the blue. And so he had people submit their, he calls them blueies, and he had people submit their blueies, and then he set that to music. And it was, it's him sharing, you know, these very funny songs, but then he's also struggling with his own, um, 
his own desire to reach out to an ex as well. And so you see like how he handles that over the course of the episode. He also talks about like how men greet each other, the um, the insecurities that he's had with a man who's like much taller than he is because Mark is pretty slight. And I'd say he's maybe like five, six. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really entertaining. It's really well produced. You may have heard Mark on our podcast episode, The Reverse Drive Bay, where he talks about lens crafters. Such <laughs> such a great story. And he was just on our show last week, so we'll definitely be featuring him on a future episode. So uh, definitely check that out. Other men need help, which you can hear on all the usual podcast suspects. Um, I've recently been listening to a new storytelling podcast by Matthew and Alicia Dix called Speak Up Storytelling. They're based out of Hartford, and they have a live show as well. And they feature one story per episode, and they provide lessons on what the storyteller did well in that story and how they can improve improve upon it, which is which is really cool. So if you like to hear about process and hear a good story, in the process this is a podcast for you and of course my favorite podcast i cannot say enough about this podcast i'm sure i've told you about it before alex it's called heavyweight and it is created and hosted by the very smart witty and incredible jonathan goldstein um and basically they feature one person on each episode who is trying to unburden themselves from a heavyweight from their past wow it's really, really interesting. And just to give you like a little taste of, of the show, my favorite episode, which actually did win an award, is called Gregor. And it's about his friend Gregor who lent his CDs of all like old spirituals to Moby back in the 90s before Moby was well known. Uh-huh. And then those songs you know completely blew up and as did moby and gregor never got his cds back (laughs) (laughs) and it's not even like he wants royalties he's just he's just like i just want my cds back man (laughs) um and so the whole episode is dedicated to that backstory and then the lengths they'll go to get his CDs back from Moby. So it is fascinating. Um, Yeah, sometimes there's like some really, really heavy duty um, things. That's why it's called heavyweight, things that people have to uh, reconcile with over the course of the episode. So it's, it's pretty great. So and if you have a podcast that you love, let us know on social at Yum's the Word Show. And if you listen to any of the ones that uh, we just recommended, let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein. And me, Alex Fulton. James Beer wrote our new music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Carly Patron, Jen Waring, Zach Schusterman, Katie Riley, and of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. I'm Alex Holden. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Have a great summer. See you back in the fall. And, and until, until next time. time. Wow, that was pretty good. That was great. <laughs> First take, Johnny's. Go. Boom. Shalak, lack. Yum's the word.